Good evening, Patriots. How's everyone doing? I'm Praying Medic, and this is my nightly news and information show coming to you normally live from CloudHub Channel 115, Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. However, right now, we are not live. Uh, as soon as CloudHub gets their video hosting service uh, sorted out, we'll be back doing live again. Right now, you can find my broadcasts on Rumble and prayingmedic.com forward slash blog. Uh, I've got some news for you tonight. Uh, a lot of election news. There was a very good hearing, and we've got some news on General Flynn. Let's jump into today's news. Uh, before we do that, we've got The Great Awakening. Great Awakening is my latest book. It is book two in the Q Chronicles series. Uh, I cover the posts of the mysterious intelligence insider known as Q. Uh, cover a lot of different subjects in this book. Uh, talk about social media censorship. There is a chapter on the Rothschilds. There is a chapter on. Uh, oh, there's a chapter on Red Cross and corruption in the Red Cross. Uh, there's also a glossary in the back of the book that has over 600 terms, acronyms, abbreviations, the names of government agencies you may not be familiar with. A lot of um, coded messages that Q uses. Those are decoded to the best of my ability in the back. Great Awakening is available currently on Barnes & Noble and on Amazon. All right. We are going to study a little bit of um, <laughs> legal theory. I'm not an attorney, and I don't play one on TV. However, uh, in order to understand what's going on right now, we kind of need to understand constitutional law just a little bit. On November 5th, uh, right after the election, Mark Levin posted this tweet, and he noted that it is the responsibility of state legislatures to appoint electors to represent the will of the people at the Electoral College. He tweeted this out. Reminder to the Republican state legislatures, you have the final say over choosing of electors, not any board of elections, secretary of state, governor, or even the court. You have the final say, Article 2 of the federal constitution, so get ready to do your constitutional duty. Now, that tweet caused a little bit of panic <laughs> by the uh, leftist media. Uh, Mother Jones actually posted this article. Don Trump Jr., after he retweeted Mark Levin's tweet, uh, Mother Jones put, posted this up. And they said, Don Trump Jr. just promoted a brazen plan to steal the election. And... You know what? How they're looking at this is, <clears throat> they're looking at this from the perspective that the popular vote should determine who is president, not the electoral college. That's really their 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 point. But unfortunately, according to the Constitution, it is not the popular vote. It is the it is the electoral college. I'm going to talk a little bit about the electoral college. So, Washington Post, Politico, Lawfare blog, and and, and others have tried to shoot down this theory that Levin put out. Uh, and, and you can't really shoot it down because <laughs> Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2 of the Constitution clearly establishes how state legislatures are to appoint electors to the Electoral College. I'm just read the text of it. Each state shall appoint in such manner as the legislature thereof may direct a number of electors equal to the whole number of senators and representatives to which the state may be entitled in Congress, but no senator or representative or person holding office or trust 
uh, or profit under the U.S. shall be appointed as an elector. So an elector can't be a person holding one of these offices. But there are no other restrictions on how the state legislature appoints the electors. It's completely at the discretion of the legislature. And the number of electors is equal to the number of senators. Each state gets two senators plus the representatives. And that's just de uh, determined by population. Now, the 12th Amendment outlines how the president is chosen by the Electoral College and what happens if the Electoral College does not arrive at a majority. Now, that is a possibility that we need to look at. So I'm just going to read this. This is the 12th Amendment. President of the Senate shall, in the presence of the Senate and House of Representatives, open all the certificates and the votes shall then be counted. This is after the Electoral College votes. So coming up here on December 14th, the Electoral College is going to vote. And the votes from the Electoral College are going to be counted in Congress by the President of the Senate. The person having the greatest number of votes for president shall be president if such number be a majority of the whole number of electors appointed. So president is elected by a simple majority of the votes by the electoral college. That's it. That it's, it's really that simple. There's 538 uh, electoral votes. Uh, a candidate needs 270 to win. Now there have been two instances in the past where there wasn't a majority. And they had to divide, they had to come up with another plan. And actually that's kind of outlined here. I'll just I'll explain this here to you in a second. That is a possibility that's in play this year. I'll explain that in just a little a little bit. But let's go on to uh, read the rest of the Twelfth Amendment. All right, so um, the electors are gonna vote, and then if one candidate gets a majority, they're president. Okay. Um, the, if the person does not receive a majority, okay, the House of Representatives shall then choose immediately by ballot the president, okay? <laughs> so if the, if one candidate does not get a simple majority, House of Representatives chooses the president. Simple vote but in choosing a president, the votes shall be taken by the states, the representation from each state having one vote. A quorum is necessary, two-thirds quorum of the states. Um, and so, if the Electoral College fails to select a president, then it goes to uh, the House. And one state, one vote. And generally, it would be just be determined by parties, what, what parties control most of the state legislatures. And by the way, uh, and, and this, it would actually be done at the state level, or this would be where um, the state legislatures would meet, they would decide how they're going to vote, and then they would cast a ballot to go to the Congress for the vote. That may come into play, but let's move on, and uh, I'll explain a little bit more here. So this is from the Lawfare blog. The legal theory, and this is their response to Mark Levin, the legal theory that would allow state legislatures to go rogue and appoint electors. This is, this is the, the lawfare um, people saying that 
in order for Trump's people to ignore the popular vote, go rogue. This is what they would have to do. And it's actually supported by uh, an argument made by Chief Justice Rehnquist in Bush versus Gore back in 2000, who argued for himself and two other justices on this view, a legislature is unconstrained in its power to set the manner in which electors are selected. Meaning that even after an election, the legislature could ignore the results of the popular vote and select a different slate of electors altogether. Because when you, when you vote in an election, in a popular vote, you're not actually voting for your president. You're voting for a slate of electors. On, in some states, there's, you'll actually see the name of the electors on the ballot. We did in Arizona. In addition to the candidates, you see the uh, electors' names on there. When you vote in a presidential election, you're actually voting for a slate of electors. So this argument by Rehnquist here is saying that legislature is free to ignore the electors that were designated by the popular vote and choose their own state slate of electors. A recent opinion by Justice Kavanaugh uh, suggests that Rehnquist's argument may again be on the rise. All right, now I'm just skipping down in the article here. Rehnquist observed unique features within the constitutional design. In exercising their power to decide how electors are to be chosen, legislatures cannot be constrained either by state law or the state's constitution. Even though a lot of states have passed laws that attempt to restrict how electors can vote and how the legislature can choose electors, in fact, Rehnquist here argues that those state laws do not constrain uh, the legislature in choosing electors. And here's why. The rule did not, in fact, constrain the state legislature. Instead, after granting the franchise to the people, as a majority of the Supreme Court in Bush put it, the legislature could then take back the power to appoint electors at any time. Or, put differently, when the legislature acted pursuant to the power granted to it by Article 2, it stands above any limits imposed by state law. This is going to be important because Jenna Ellis, one of the president's attorneys, is going to argue this very point later on in this broadcast. She specifically tells <laughs> the legislators in Pennsylvania, you have the power to take back and appoint electors. All right. So the reason I'm, I'm harping on this is that I think this is the strategy that President Trump's people are actually using to win the election. I think that, and I just was thinking about this yesterday, this whole thing with um, the hearings that they announced yesterday. So yesterday they announced they're going to be having open hearings in Pennsylvania. That was today. We're going to cover that in just a minute. Uh, next week on Monday, there's going to be an open congressional hearing in Arizona where they're going to present evidence of election fraud. And then on Tuesday next week, they're going to have an open hearing in Michigan again to present information about election fraud. Listening to the hearing today, it sounds like they may try to do it in Georgia as well. What they're doing is they're having these open congressional hearings in states where Republicans control the legislature and they're producing evidence for the public to see that, that the election was, was rigged, basically. And uh, so that's, I, I was looking at, I, I saw these announcements yesterday and I was like, you know, this looks to me like 
like Rudy Giuliani and Jenna Ellis are moving in the direction of getting this into the legis state legislatures and getting them to basically ignore the popular vote. Prove that the popular vote was rigged and then get the state legislatures to do the right thing. Now, I wanna look at the electoral map real quick. Um, this is the current electoral college map as it is shown by most media outlets. Currently they have Joe Biden with 306 electoral votes and Donald Trump with 232. Now, what I did here on this map, all the red states are states that we know that Donald Trump has won. Dark blue states are states that um, Joe Biden has won. And the light blue states are states that the media has called for Joe Biden, but there are lawsuits pending in these states. Okay, so I put them in light blue and I gave them to Biden. All right, so currently, if Biden ends up winning all these states, he has 306 votes in the Electoral College. All he needs is 270. He would be the president, 270 to win. Now, here is one scenario that could happen. If the Pennsylvania state legislature decides to ignore the popular vote and choose a slate of electors that's going to vote for Trump, okay, that's 20 electoral votes right there. And if Michigan also, because they're holding a public hearing, if Michigan state uh, legislature, which is controlled by Republicans, if they decide to ignore the popular vote and put up a slate of electors that are going to vote for Trump. That makes it very interesting because then Biden's uh, electoral vote becomes 270 and Trump's is 268. The difference in the electoral college is only two votes. So what does that tell you? That tells you that Trump needs one other state <laughs> besides, besides Michigan and Pennsylvania. Now, two states alone are not going to do it even no matter what combination. So Pennsylvania is 20, Michigan is 16, Georgia is also 16. So if it was Pennsylvania and Georgia, it's still only 268 for Trump. Trump needs three states and he needs Pennsylvania to be one of them. He, he could do it with Georgia, Michigan, and Wisconsin, but it'd be easier with Pennsylvania because it has the most electoral college votes of any state that is currently uh, under deliberation and, and where there's lawsuits pending. So uh, Trump needs one other state. Now here's another scenario. If Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Arizona decide to, uh, and these are the three states where they're gonna be holding hearings. They've already held a hearing in Pennsylvania. Arizona's congressional hearing is gonna be Monday. Michigan's is Tuesday. If all three states decide in their state legislature to Put up a slate of electors that's going to vote for Trump. Trump gets 279. He wins. Biden ends up with 259. Okay, that's one possibility. Here's another possibility. If Pennsylvania and Nevada, uh, because there are lawsuits in Nevada that are pending. So let's say Trump flips Pennsylvania and he flips Nevada. Uh, that would actually not be enough to... Uh, give President Trump the win with Wisconsin because that still only gives him 268. So the, the, the three-state combination that would not work would be Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Nevada. If Trump flips Nevada and Pennsylvania, he needs 
a state other than Wisconsin, either Michigan or Georgia would put him over. Right. So if he gets, let's say Trump gets Pennsylvania, Georgia and Michigan, he's golden. He has 284. If he gets Pennsylvania, uh, Georgia and Arizona, that works out too. Any three state combination, the three states cannot be with Pennsylvania, Wisconsin and Nevada because it won't be enough. All right. There's an interesting possibility, though, if if Trump flips Pennsylvania, Arizona and Nevada. OK. They both candidates end up at 269 <laughs> because it would be 268 to 270 if it's Wisconsin, Nevada and Pennsylvania. But if it's Arizona, that's one more electoral vote. Then it's a tie at 269. Neither candidate has enough votes and it would actually go to Congress. All right. So that's the one scenario that this could get complicated because. And, and it's it's a possibility. It's possible that the Arizona legislature might put up a, uh, a slate of electors for President Trump and a, a judge in Nevada could throw out a whole bunch of votes and that could flip for Trump. So there are some interesting possibilities. All right. So let's go to Pennsylvania. There was a public hearing today in uh, Gettysburg to provide opportunities for witnesses to testify about election fraud. Uh, Like I said, Michigan and Arizona are going to be next week. And it was a very interesting hearing. (laughs) It's like three and a half hours long. I listened to most of it. Some very good evidence came out of that hearing. Uh, Roscoe B. Davis posted this on Twitter. These are just some of the things that were mentioned in the hearing. Um, There were... One of the experts who looked at all the ballots said that they sent out one and a half million ballots, uh, mail out, mail-in ballots, and they got 2.3 million returned in the election. Well, where did the other 800,000 uh, mail-in ballots come from? <laughs> it's, it doesn't quite make sense uh, that you have 800,000 more mail-in ballots come back than you sent out. Another one was that uh, one of the state representatives, I think, said that Governor Wolf of Pennsylvania mandated Dominion voting systems be brought into the state. It was never voted on by lawmakers. Wolf also removed all security barcodes from ballots that were originally put in place to protect counterfeiting from counterfeiting. So there's a whole bunch of hanky-panky going on. Uh, Major Patriot tweeted this out. Per the witness testimony, workers were filling in stacks of hundreds of blank ballots, mostly absentee ballots. Thousands of blank mail-in ballots were filled in by workers. And we have this testimony. Uh, This gentleman looked at the chain of evidence and he was not, chain of custody, and he was not very uh, impressed with what he saw. What we saw there, what I saw there was a chain of custody in all cases that was broken. It was broken for the mail-in ballots, the drop box ballots, the election day USB card flash drives, in all cases, the chain of custody and the procedures that were defined by the Delaware County Board of Elections and election process review were all, they didn't follow one. I, I, I couldn't even redline this multi-page document because the entire document would be, uh, they didn't follow any of the procedures. All right, so that's just one problem. Here's uh, another problem. This is uh, a gentleman observed the things that he saw so at the very the very beginning of the uh, the chart where there's a circle it says on election day 
Uh, what that indicates is there is a spike in uh, loaded votes, uh, uh, 337,000 plus or minus of some votes that were added in there in one big batch. So that was uh, an anomaly in the reporting. Normally you would expect to see a smooth curve going up, not any, uh, not any big, big spikes. Uh, that's kind of what, uh, what Greg was talking about, the, the anomalies of loading and uh, uploading those, uh, those votes. So that big spike that uh, occurs there is a prime indicator of fraudulent voting. And that's 604,000 votes in 90 minutes, is that right? Correct, this is uh, 300 and, uh, 337 votes, 337,000 votes in that, uh, at, in that, in that at, period of time. Yes. And when you look at this entire curve with all these spikes, can you calculate how, how, how much of a vote that accounted for for Biden and how much for Trump? Close to 600,000. I think our, our figures were about 570-some-odd thousand that uh, all those spikes represent over time. For Biden? Correct. And how much for Trump? I think it was a little over 3,200. <laughs> okay, so how do you get hundreds of thousands of votes coming in for Joe Biden over a short period of time? and only a few thousand for Donald Trump. Just a lot of things that don't quite add up. Now, Jenna Ellis explained uh, that there are lawsuits pending in several states and at least one lawsuit pending that has not been filed. And she seems to have confirmed my theory about the state legislatures. I'll let you listen to her. Uh, so as far as the campaign is concerned, we have uh, pending lawsuits in uh, here in Pennsylvania that's going up to the Third Circuit. They've granted an expedited review. Uh, we also have pending litigation in uh, Nevada. We also have recounts in Georgia and Wisconsin, and we also have a pending lawsuit in Michigan. Um, so regarding the mail-in specifically, uh, we are still looking at all of the other legal options, and uh, we are also planning on filing additional litigation uh, by the end of this week. I won't go into detail uh, on that. Uh, part of what we are asking, uh, or what we did ask initially, was to stop certification so that we could get to the bottom of this process. Clearly, you've heard sufficient evidence today that would lead any reasonable finder of fact to say that there's been sufficient evidence that you should stop that, you should not move forward with certification. Uh, what we would ask the judiciary in terms of remedy uh, can be legislative as well under the Constitution. And I would direct your attention to Article 2, Section 1.2, which says that each state shall appoint in such manner as the legislature thereof may direct a number of electors. And so you, the legislature, without judicial oversight, can direct and take back that power you have the opportunity as the legislature, and legislature in this context means the state legislature. So although there has been delegated authority to your Secretary of State and, uh, and according to your law, at any time you can take back that power, and that is the provision and the protection that is embedded in the Constitution to make sure that when there are instances of corruption in a state, that the state legislature, which is the representatives of we the people, all of these wonderful people who are here today in Pennsylvania, and all of your constituencies who voted and who want their voice to be heard, because we are a government of the people, by the people, for the people. We the people need to submit. 
Thank you. Need to submit our vote. And so I would say in terms of a remedy, you may fashion that even outside the purview of the litigation that we are now bringing. Although it's the responsibility of county uh, board of elections to set up the elections and run them, and it is the responsibility of the secretary of state to take all that information and get it certified. And it's actually the responsibility of the governor to oversee the certification of elections. It is not their responsibility to appoint electors who go to electoral college. And as Jenna Ellis pointed out here, it is the responsibility of the legislature and she is asking them to take back that power. And I, I think that, like I said, this is confirmation that I believe what Trump's legal team is going to do is they're going to have these hearings where they expose all kinds of corruption and they're going to ask the legislatures to say, look, you can see all this corruption. You can see the vote was rigged. Uh, you can't really justify counting all these illegal ballots. So I think they're, they're asking to have them set aside the popular vote and to seat, chose, choose and seat electors who are going to do what they believe is the right thing, the will of the people. And I think that is going to be their game plan going forward. Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2 gives that power to the legislatures. And I think it, I think it really um, hit home. Senator Mastriano, who helped uh, kind of run the hearing, he had a very good closing statement. And you can, if you listen to what he's, what he's saying here, you can tell that he was convinced and I think that the state of Pennsylvania is actually going to uh, select a slate of electors that is going to vote for Donald Trump. Let you listen to him. I started this off quoting from John Adams. We are in Adams County. You know, facts are stubborn things. Uh, there's a lot of hard facts out there. And guess what? As history and change in 1863 in Gettysburg, back then, it's July 1st, 2nd, 3rd. So on this day, history is changing for our country and state back at Gettysburg once again. We move heaven and earth with American dollars to secure elections in Iraq and Afghanistan and elsewhere. We can't do it in our own state. It's by design. There's people in Pennsylvania not interested in safe, secure elections. And we have to correct this. There's two things that need to, ha need to happen. First off, we need to make sure that the real winner is sent forth from this, this presidential election. And number two... <laughs> Number two, we need to fix this. It doesn't happen ever again. You know, as Representative Metcalf rightly said, in 1994, there was so much shenanigans and cheating in the Marks versus Stinson case that a federal district judge threw out the election results, took a senator out of Harrisburg, state senator, and put the Republican in because the election results were so corrupted. So we do have a precedent here, federal courts, and I hope you take a hard look at that here. Has our election results in Pennsylvania at the presidential and other levels been so corrupted that the results have to be thrown out? That's going to be a, a case you're going to have to make before the Supreme Court there, but it sure sounds like something stinks in Denmark or in Philadelphia. The time for dithering and deliberation is over. It's time for decisive action. We have to protect our commonwealth and our nation the eyes of the world are upon us and let's turn the commonwealth of pennsylvania from a laughing stock to the pride of the world once again as we've always had been and need to be again <laughs> this is our day this is our hour this is our time so yes mr franklin a republic if you can keep it we're going to keep it 
a republic if you can keep it and we're going to keep it <laughs> well i have confidence that uh the exposure of corruption in and fraud in pennsylvania is is uh something that the these legislators that they can't very well sweep under the rug it's out there it's in the public domain now it can't be hidden and they're going to have to deal with it and like i said i think this is going to compel the republican legislature in pennsylvania to do the right thing and i think they'll end up putting up a slate of electors that's going to vote for donald trump now one of the goals of trump's legal team is preventing states from certifying their elections because of fraud Today, a Pennsylvania judge ordered that the state stop its certification process. I'm just going to read this to you. Pennsylvania court has ordered the state to halt work certifying its elections until Friday when it will hold a hearing on a lawsuit trying to have all mail-in votes disqualified. They want to have all mail-in votes disqualified. Mike Kelly, congressional candidate Sean Parnell, and eight other petitioners claim last month's election to allow all voters to use mail-in ballots was unconstitutional, and it was. Because that was that was a decision that was not made by the legislature. That was made by other people. And it is up to the legislature to decide how elections are going to go. Because of the electors, by law, must perform their duties at the seat of government of this commonwealth, this court may also enjoin respondents from permitting the electors to assemble at such a location. So the judge may, in addition to ordering the state not to certify its election, it can prevent the electors from meeting for the Electoral College. All right, and this article goes on to say, one long shot possibility for Trump is that states fail to certify their results by December 14th, when electors are due to meet to select the 46th president of the United States. Actually, it's December 8th. I mean, the Electoral College meets on December 14th, but electors are chosen on, are seated on November, or sorry, December 8th. That's a hard deadline. So if the judge prevents the state from certifying through December 8th, state's probably not going to be able to seat electors for the Electoral College. And if enough states are unable to certify their elections, that throws the whole thing into chaos. The Electoral College would not be able to deliver probably a, a majority, and then it's going to go to, to the Congress, or it's going to be one vote, one state. I think that's becoming a more and more realistic possibility. Now, we get news out of Georgia. The Thomas More Society today filed a lawsuit in Georgia uh, claiming that 200,000 votes were either illegally counted or improperly uncounted. Uh, currently, the lead uh, that Joe Biden has in Georgia, I think, is only around 16,000. So that would clearly wipe out that lead. And everything that the president needs to do right now in his legal team needs to be outcome determinative. If it doesn't change the uh, the outcome, it's it's kind of frivolous. So that uh, lawsuit has just been filed today. They're saying that well over 100,000 illegal votes in Georgia were improperly counted and tens of thousands of illegal votes were not counted. This has to do again with uh, people being, Republicans being shut out of uh, being able to observe the votes being counted. All right, and last news of the day, President Trump pardoned General Flynn today, officially. Full pardon. Now, a lot of people are disappointed at that. Uh, a lot of us would love to have seen uh, the judge, Emmett Sullivan, dismiss the case. Uh, apparently, that, that was just not going to happen. 
So President Trump took it upon himself to give General Flynn a pardon. Don't know what's going to happen other than I think it, General Flynn is probably going to be talking a whole lot more about what happened in the Spygate scandal. And will General Flynn have a role in Trump's administration coming forward? I don't know. I don't know what the rules are uh, on someone coming into government, you know, if they've had a presidential pardon. Uh, General Flynn, his case never actually went all the way through to sentencing. So I don't know what the disposition is going to be on that. But I think it's great that uh, General Flynn's been pardoned. He can get on with his life. That's an important thing for him and his family uh, coming into Thanksgiving. I think it's something to be happy about. Not the outcome a lot of us wanted, but it is what it is. All right, that is my news for today. I'm not sure if I'll have a news broadcast tomorrow being Thanksgiving. Uh, I, I think, you know, maybe on Friday. Might take the day off tomorrow. If this broadcast has blessed you, you might want to consider supporting me on Subscribestar. Link to my Subscribestar page is in the description box, as well as a link to my book, The Great Awakening. Please keep me and Denise in prayer over Thanksgiving. Keep President Trump and General Flynn in prayer. Keep the military in prayer. Keep the Secret Service in prayer. Keep President Trump's legal team and Sidney Powell in prayer. Speaking of Sidney Powell, did not see a filing out of her today. Uh, maybe we'll see a, a court filing from her on Friday. We're expecting that in Georgia. All right, that's all the news I got for you today. Love you all. Take care. I'll catch you on the next broadcast.